find John 15. John 15, bearing fruit in the life of a believer. We're going to look tonight three S's, the source of the Christian life, the secret of the Christian life, and the satisfaction of the Christian life. John 15. Jesus said, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I was thinking about this passage this week and how here with summertime, I'm sure many of you have planted gardens and uh, probably already getting produce in uh, off of that so my mind went to this passage talking about vines and and fruit bearing and folks what we see here is that the Lord's followers aren't simply to look good or to sound good but we are to be fruitful Jesus said that we are to go and bear fruit. And this is to be one of the hallmarks of the Christian life. And it's vital connection with Him that makes fruit bearing possible. Now we know the context of John 15 is is right in the middle of Jesus meeting with His disciples in the upper room. His public ministry, other than the passion narratives, his suffering and crucifixion, but his public ministry has come to an end back in chapter 12. And beginning in chapter 13, he's in the upper room with his disciples and he's giving them instructions about how they are to live between his 
going away from them and when he comes again for his church one day. And in John 15, he talks to them about three key relationships. Their relationship to him, their relationship to one another, and their relationship to the world. They're to love one another, and they're to know that the world will hate them, but they're to persevere anyway. But in in all of these relationships, whether to one another or to the world, what is the key going to be? The key is going to be our relationship to Him. Our relationship to Him will guide all of life. So that's what's pivotal. Our relationship to Him gives us the strength that we need to live the Christian life. Gives us the strength that we need to love one another in the body of Christ. Gives us the strength that we need when we encounter a hostile world. So again, our relationship to him is pivotal. And that's what he begins addressing here. Now, first of all, as I've already mentioned to you, I want you to notice with me the source of the Christian life. Jesus says, I'm the true vine And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. What's he say there in verse 1? He points out that he is the true vine who cleanses us. Now, it's interesting the analogy being given here. The Apostle Paul uses a different analogy. What's Paul's analogy? The body of Christ, with Christ being the head, and we are individually members of his body. The analogy here is that of a vine and branches, and then the fruit that we bear. So the image is different, but the message is basically the same. A vine gives life. And Jesus' point is, there's got to be a vital connection to him if we are going to have true life. Now stay with me for a moment. In the Old Testament, there are passages about Israel being the vine. In Isaiah 5, for instance, there is the song of the vineyard. He says, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up, cleared it of stones, and planted it. With the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press in it. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. The Hebrew is it yielded only stink berries. Supposed to yield good fruit, but it yielded stink berries. And then in the Psalms, in several places, in the Psalms and the prophets, Israel was referred to as the vine. 
outside of the temple, they had a, a golden vine placed outside of the temple, the gate there of the temple, uh, with with made out of made out of gold overlaid in gold it was the a vine and the clusters of grapes and so forth and it was a reminder to those in the nation of Israel that they were supposed to be God's vine but now what was the emphasis related to Israel what had happened they had failed And it's significant here that Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Israel was a type, a shadow that pointed to Jesus. Jesus was the true vine that would be the one offering salvation. Now, what's the significance there? The average Jewish person would have believed what? They would have believed that a connection to the nation would have yielded what? Life. A connection to the nation through blood would have yielded life. That's what they would have believed. They would have trusted in their Jewishness. But the Bible points out that doesn't save. Paul had to remind the Jews repeatedly that one is a Jew who is not one outwardly but one inwardly. Yes, God chose the Jew. That was a great privilege. But he chose them to go and bear fruit to the nations. Again, they failed because they thought it was a matter of externals. Bloodline. You know, that's no different than people today though, is it? People today that may think salvation comes because of their family their mom or dad or their connection, their external connection to a church. But that's not where spiritual life comes from. Spiritual life comes only from a connection with Jesus. He's the true vine. Life is in Him. Religion can't save either. God told Israel, I'm sick of your solemn assemblies and your offerings. They felt life came from their their liturgy or from their religious observance. Here again, people think that too. And all of that's wonderful, but it will not save you. The question is, are you connected to the vine? The true vine, Jesus. He gives life. Even as a vine gives life to branches, as the true vine, Jesus saves. He's the source of life. And verse 3 also points out, he's the one who cleanses us. How do you get clean? How do you become forgiven? How are you made right with God? Through Jesus. 
through his word. He says in Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Romans 10.9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Not only does Jesus cleanse us or save us, but also Jesus is the true vine who nourishes us. Every moment of every day, what does a vine do? A vine sends minerals and nutrients into the branches so that the branches in turn can do what they are supposed to do, which is bear fruit. That's what it means to live the Christian life. You are connected to the vine. You're connected to Jesus. You have his life in you, nourishing you, and giving you strength every day that you can go and bear fruit. You know, I think that's the reason so many Christians are living dry and boring Christian lives. There's no joy or strength in their Christian life because while they may be saved, there's no daily fellowship with the Lord. There's no nourishment happening they're not in the word they're not in prayer they're not in communion with the Lord Jesus Jesus promises he'll feed us and what did he say to the woman at the well in John 4 he said that that her life could could be like this artesian well springing up inside of her well we're promised the same thing But what do we do so oftentimes? We get up, we go about our day, and many days we may not even think much about the Lord. We'll make no attempt to be in the Lord's Word or in prayer. There'll be no communion with Him. And that's why... I've challenged you from time to time to make sure you're having a quiet time and make sure you're in the Word and and make sure you're on some type of Bible reading plan. Because He nourishes us. He will feed us. But we've got to come to His table and we've got to partake. Amen? You know, people say all the time, I can't do what God expects me to do. Well, you're right. You can't do what God expects you to do. But what we can do is draw near to Him and allow Him to nourish us. us, And then He lives His life through us. That's the key. Well, also, we see in verses 1 and 2 that Jesus joins us to God. He says, my father is the gardener. And so to to have Jesus means you not only have the life and the cleansing that the vine gives you, but you get a relationship with the gardener as well. What did Jesus say in John 14, 6? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father but by me. 
Romans 5.1, Paul says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a relationship with Jesus, the vine, who cleanses us, nourishes us. He's also the one who presents us to the Father. We have reconciliation with the Father and peace with the Father through Jesus. And so let's think about all that we have. In John 14, we have Jesus taking us to the Father. In John 14, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Now in John 15, we again, he, he points out Jesus taking us to the Father. And so between John 14 and 15, we see every single member of the Trinity at work in us. Each member of the Trinity has a specific role. Jesus bringing life. The Spirit bringing conviction and comfort. And the Father bringing maturity. The Father helps us mature by lifting us up. Look at verse 2. In verse 2 when Jesus says every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. It's interesting very literally what the phrase in the Greek text he takes away means. Literally it means he lifts up. He lifts up. When a gardener uh, tends grapes he sees a bunch of Grapes, or sees a a portion of the vine, vine branches not bearing fruit. What does he do? He lifts those branches up. Grapes won't bear fruit with the vines laying on the ground. The gardener lifts them up. And then after they're lifted up, what does he do? He prunes them. That's what the Father does. Prunes. And pruning is painful. Right? Pruning, for instance, would be the Father's what? Whipping us. Discipline. Which, according to Hebrews 12, shows what? That we are children. Children of God. It's an ongoing process. All of our lives the Father disciplines us. A new grapevine was not allowed to bear fruit for three years. It was lifted up and pruned during that time so that it would become well established. And then even after it was well established, every year the gardener would prune the branches. So it wasn't an overnight thing. Folks, this is a beautiful analogy of God's work in us. Something wonderful happens at conversion, doesn't it? We have a new master. Sin's no longer our master. Jesus is. But what do we so oftentimes still have? Some of those bad habits from a lifetime, right? 
Sometimes a few of those bad habits are taken away overnight at conversion. But a few of those things, when you become a Christian, may take a while for the Father to deal with, right? That's a pruning that could be fatal sometimes, too. Hmm. And the gardener knows exactly what to cut away. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I've, I've heard testimony, though, talking about some things that fall away, some that struggle. I've heard testimonies before of people with, with powerful drug addictions or alcohol addictions. And some of those addictions fell away overnight. When they got saved, I mean, those things were gone. But then the person will testify that other things in their life took a while. It's not an overnight. It's not an overnight process. There's the lifting up and the pruning. And there's never a time in your Christian life or my Christian life that we'll be able to say, Okay, God, I don't need that anymore. We always need that. We always need that pruning. It's a process that is always underway in our lives. It's like what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. It's ongoing. Salvation is instantaneous, but the lifting up and the pruning and the maturing of the branch and the nourishment of the vine is ongoing. It's a never-ending process. Might take a while. Yep. Oh, come on, confession time now. <laughs> yeah. A Christian struggles with. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's the source of the Christian life. What's the secret of the Christian life? Look at verses 4 and 5. He says, beginning there in verse 4, Remain in me, and and as, as I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, folks, I want you to think of this. 
of all the things that Jesus could have mentioned to his disciples at this point in the upper room. What is it that he focused on? Abiding, remaining. Yeah. Just. And he mentions it ten times in eleven verses. Ten times in eleven verses. If your mama growing up mentioned something to you that many times, did she mean business? She meant business. You what? Didn't take that long? (laughs) Well, we see several things about abiding. Uh, Abiding is necessary for bearing fruit. Now, I want you to uh, not, don't miss what he's saying here. Bearing fruit is not the result of human achievement. Bearing fruit to God's glory is not the result of human achievement. Bearing fruit is the result of Christ at work in us as we abide in Him. He's talking here about basic disciplines of the Christian life. And we never outgrow our need of the basics. Abiding, remaining in Him. Staying close to Him. Abiding also reflects dependence on God. We're helpless on our own. We don't have life in and of, spiritual life in and of ourselves on our own. We're not the vine. We can't bear fruit to the glory of God on our own. Jesus said here, without me, you can do nothing. Now that's interesting to think of, right? Because you say, wait a minute. There's a lot we can do in our our lives without Him. Unbelievers do. Unbelievers get up, they fix their meals, they clean their houses, they wash their cars, they go to work, they make money. Some of them accomplish great things in life. And they don't even know God. So what's he talking about here? Without me you can do nothing. Well, certainly that, ultimately, he he, common grace. Mm -hmm. But even aside from that, what's Jesus talking about here? We can do nothing of kingdom value for the glory of God apart from him. And that's the emphasis here. We can do nothing of lasting kingdom value apart from Him. A lot of our lives apart from Him will end up one day being what? A big fat zero. 
That's what he's talking about. Look at verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Jesus is saying, here's someone who really doesn't even belong to him. There may be that outward appearance of belonging, but there's no true belonging. So the only thing... Uh, left in the end for that person is to be treated like a dried up branch that has no life. It'll be uh, tossed out and burned. That's ultimate judgment from God. Now, unless you think that sounds harsh, I want you to remember something. Who has just slipped out of the room? Judas. Judas is the perfect example. Judas hung around Jesus for three years. He enjoyed he enjoyed all that the vine had to offer those three years, but there was no vital connection. He hung out with the other 11 disciples, but he never had what they had. There was external association with Jesus and the other disciples. But there was no true life of the vine in him. So you see it's possible to hang out with God's people. To be exposed to all of the blessings of God and yet not be one of his. What shows... What shows about this is your life. There's no abiding, no desire, no fruit. You're spiritually dead. But for God's children, it's different. Look at the satisfaction of the Christian life. Beginning there in verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Some amazing things that God does in your life. First of all, there is bearing fruit. When we talk about satisfaction of the Christian life, there's bearing fruit. When you get saved and abide in the Lord, He brings about fruit in your life. That's one of the exciting things about being a Christian. And when the Bible talks about bearing fruit, it really means two things. First of all, there is the inward fruit. What would that be? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, meekness, self-control. And then outer fruit. The lives we touch for Jesus. So in the New Testament, bearing fruit included both of those. Inner fruit and outer fruit. 
Notice what Jesus says about that fruit. The longer we're a Christian and, and this lifting up and pruning is going on, what happens with the fruit bearing? It increases. Because he starts by saying, abide in me and you'll bear fruit. And then he says, you'll bear more fruit. And finally he says, you'll bear much fruit. You see the progression there? We come to the Lord, we're saved, we're cleansed. Again, that's instantaneous. We, we abide in the Lord daily. We're growing in sanctification. We're growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. And as we're abiding in Him and growing, He's, He's doing His pruning in us and His maturing of us. And we're all the time bearing more and more fruit. Then He says this fruit glorifies God. This bearing of fruit, Jesus says here, brings glory to the Father. You know who I can't help but think of? I can't help but think of the Apostle Paul. Remember when he was Rabbi Saul? The church was scared of him when he got saved. And and the church finally found out this guy's really saved. What, What did the church do? They gave glory to God. They gave glory to God. When they saw what God was doing in the Apostle Paul's life. Here's a guy they'd been scared to death of. Now he's one of them. And look at everything God's doing in and through his life. And so now they're giving glory to God over Paul's life. That's how it ought to be in a Christian's life. As we bear fruit, then more fruit, much fruit. People see this change in us and what God's doing in us. Do we get the glory? No. God gets the glory. Seeing answered prayer is another satisfaction of the Christian life. Of abiding in the Lord. Because as we're abiding in the Lord and His Word is abiding in us. What kind of impact is that going to have on our prayer lives? As we're in His Word and His Word is in us, what's the connection going to be with prayer? It, exactly. As we're in His Word and as we're getting to know God, as we're getting to know God and His will, then our prayer life, gradually as we're maturing in the Lord, our prayers begin reflecting that. There might have been a time period in our lives that our prayers were more self-centered, self-focused. Our prayers, quite frankly, might have even been somewhat carnal at one point in our lives. But as we're abiding in the Lord and His Word in us and we're growing and maturing... Now we know the things that are pleasing to Him. And that's what we start praying about. And as we start praying about what is pleasing to Him, what do we start seeing? We start seeing answered prayer like never before. 
Because if you're praying according to the will of God, what are you promised that you're going to see? You're going to see answers to your prayers. 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence that we have. If any man ask anything according to his will, then we have the request that we have asked of him. See an answered prayer. Verse 8, another satisfaction is enjoying greater assurance in our hearts. This is to my Father's glory, verse 8 says, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Bearing fruit to the glory of God points to conversion. You see the difference in your own life. Your own assurance is strengthened. Because as you look at your life and you see God making these changes in you, you know who it is doing it. It is God. It is God at work in you doing it. And your own confidence level, your own assurance is increased. Jesus said that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The evidence... Of faith is fruit. And then what's, what's the final thing Jesus mentions here? Great satisfaction. Verse 11. What, what comes in your life? Joy. Joy. So I want you to remember tonight. Jesus is the vine. Nothing else and no one else is. Only Jesus. And there's life in the vine. There's life in Jesus. He's the one that joins us to the Father. Now folks, remember this because only Jesus can do this. Only Jesus can do this. He cleanses us. He joins us to the Father. But beyond salvation, remember, he gives ongoing life. That ongoing life, ongoing nourishment that he gives. But what you and I have to do is abide in him. He gives this life, but you and I have to abide in him. And as we abide in Him, He'll bring fruit out of your life. You'll see answered prayer. You'll have increasing assurance. And you'll have abounding joy. Amen?